0: We have a very exciting, very engaging service this morning. This is our Christmas service. My name is Peyton Menzemeyer. I'm one of the ministers here at the Vero Beach Church of Christ, and we're so glad that you are here. Uh, Throughout this morning, it's going to look a little bit different than our typical Sunday morning. There's going to be multiple scripture readings going through the Christmas story in your Bible. We're going to have songs peppered throughout. And then Tracy and I, the other minister, we're going to be coming up at various times talking about what does it mean To have peace on earth. Where do we get that phrase from? What does it look like today? And where does the Jesus story fit into all of that? So I'm glad you're here. I mean, Christmas season, it's in full swing, is it not? I mean, warm lights, they line our our homes. The spiced aroma of wintergreen and cinnamon, they coat the interior. Family members, they pack into our houses. And finally, we get some cooler weather. Well, that is unless you live in Florida like us. (laughs) Right? There's a joy in the air or at least the remnants of it. I mean, I don't know, I saw a lot of people out Christmas shopping yesterday, and you might be thinking, I don't see much joy in the air, but it's there, right? Little parts of it. Maybe, maybe your waitress smiles a little more. Maybe you get a laugh from your coworker that uh, you don't normally get. Maybe somebody has shown some kind of act of generosity towards you. It's a nice change of pace, if anything, this time of year. Something is different in the air. However, while all of these things, Christmas lights and the festivities and the music, while all of these things, the feelings that we get, while they're all good things, deep down we know that something is still missing, don't we? And the reason we we, we feel that is because this season, this Christmas season, it really only can be celebrated by those whose souls give them no peace. Here's what I mean by that. Who recognize that they are poor and incomplete who recognize that that something great is coming, but it hasn't quite arrived just yet. And the joys and the festivities that happen at the end of every year, they are wonderful things, but we know they don't last, right? When the the lights and the, the Christmas ornaments, whenever they go back into the boxes, a lot of times, so does the world's joy and generosity. Christmas vacations end, we all go back to school, the magic just kind of disappears, the lights come down, the music ends, and everything seems to go back to normal. And we're just left anticipating for that feeling to come back again next year. But celebrating Christmas, celebrating Christmas means learning to anticipate something great that is coming. And that greatness is not something you're gonna find under a tree on Christmas morning. But did you notice in our text this morning, the, the text that David just read to us. An angel comes to Mary, and he says, I'm turning on, there we go. An angel comes to a young woman, and he says, don't be afraid, which probably a good preface to an angel approaching you at night. It says, behold, you will conceive a son in your womb. Think about that. Mary, you will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. And what? Do you see it? And he will be great. Have You ever noticed that? He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The son that you bear, Mary. The, the sweet, beautiful baby boy that is forming inside of you, Mary. He will be great. He will do great things. But as we know from the story of Jesus, That throughout Jesus' life, he is going to refine and reshape the definition of what greatness is. Jesus will reign, yeah. Jesus will be the long-awaited king and savior and messiah that Israel has been waiting for, absolutely. But Jesus' greatness, I love this, Jesus' greatness will come on full display when he is arrested and tortured and executed on a Roman cross. However, even before Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, he was redefining what greatness meant to his followers. There's this beautiful little scene, just a couple of chapters actually, after uh, we get this uh, Jesus' birth story. And it's this picture of Jesus gathering his closest followers around him. And look what he says to them. Blessed are you who are poor, why? For yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who weep, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and when they revile you, and they spurn up your name for evil. But then for the sake of the Son of Man. See, there's, there's some of you here this morning who you know what it feels like to anxiously struggle with the deepest questions of life. You know what it feels like to patiently wait for something greater to come, because maybe you have pains in your life or stresses in your life or reasons that just, just wear you down on a weekly basis, and you know what it feels like to wait for something greater to come. And those of you who do feel that way and do experience life that way, You have an ability to dream about the splendor of that moment when God's truth and God's peace is finally going to be revealed to the world. You have the ability to see something that most don't. However, for the greatest, most profound, tenderest moments in the world, we must wait. For this child that's born to us, we must wait in our story this morning to see how his greatness is going to be fulfilled. And today, for us today, right now, we wait. And we anticipate a day when the, the joy and the generosity that w- the world feels during this season, whenever it won't go away, whenever it doesn't get packed away in boxes at the end of the year, we patiently wait for the new creation when heaven and earth finally come back together in peace. Good
1: morning. Good morning boys you did a good job wherever those boys are they did a really good job Um, they read a really important piece in the birth story of christ you know the night that mary gave birth to god's son this angel shows up to these lowly shepherds out in the field and peyton already mentioned you didn't That didn't bring excitement when an angel suddenly was right there before you. Because angels were known to bring messages of judgment and and warning. But on this night, it it was a message of good news. A message of good news for all the world. Because the Son of God has been born in the city of David, Bethlehem. Suddenly, this, the night sky is just glowing with these, these thousands of angels in the air. And they're, they're singing this, this hymn and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. I don't think that's what Joseph Moore had in mind when he wrote the lyrics to the song Silent Night but it was a holy night and it was filled with the noise of worship and a promise of peace on earth but what happened you ever thought about that it's this promise that the Christ has come and, and his promise of peace on earth But we even know through Matthew's account that peace did not begin to reign. Uh, Not in the sense of we think of world peace. Herod, he hears from the Magi that there was this one who was born who they called the king of the Jews. That's his title. And he went on a seek and destroy mission to destroy every Jewish baby boy two years and under all we have to do is pick up our newspapers or watch the evening news or go on facebook and see all the arguments that people have and and pitting against one another and we realize peace peace has not come on earth i read an article in two thousand from from two thousand twelve from the huff post and it was entitled christmas peace on earth means no more war and the author did a really good job, I thought, in speaking about the nature of Christ. It was really beautiful. Um, but he believed that, that the earth has not taken the, the gift that God has offered to us in peace. And he said, in his words, that Christmas gift of peace on earth that people have pursued rather than rather this war. On earth, he had recently come back from a peace mission. And, and he, he saw poverty and he saw war and, and he saw uh, this imperial control and oppression of people and even the destruction of God's good earth. Millions of people had died, and this was in Afghanistan to that point. And his conclusion in coming back was, that's not the way of Jesus, the meaning of Christmas, or the call of the gospel. For him, peace is something that we respond to, and therefore there is no war, there are no weapons, there are no, um, there's no poverty, there's no destruction of the environment and things of that sort. And I think all of us long for that Kind of day, don't we? However, he misunderstood what the word peace meant by the angel. Because we look at our definition, our definition, it means the absence of something, right? It is, you know, we have peace treaties. In other words, we're going to stop fighting. We really have the negative sense of the word. It is something that is, you know, that is done away. It's a negative that's away. But peace. That's spoken of by the angels is something that is given. It's in a positive, it is a blessing that comes from God. The word, as we see in our text, it's peace. The Greek is Irene, means nothing to you. But that Hebrew word from which it comes, you probably have heard of it before. It's shalom. And it is a word that means complete or whole. Let me let me illustrate it with you. As you see, I've got some blocks up here. I want to thank the children's program for letting me take their blocks, Um, even though they didn't know I took them till just now. So peace is something that is, it's made up of all these pieces, and yet they're brought together, okay? They're brought together, and it makes something complete. It makes something whole. Everything is in place okay so peace the idea is that life is made up of all of these pieces and that when everything is in its completion everything is in its wholeness and we have Shalom so when we don't have this kind of peace it's when things begin to operate in different ways and sometimes that's where our peace goes but peace is something that can be taken away it's it's when it becomes scattered about and and because life is made up of all these situations and all of these relationships and it's made up of of these you know moving parts and when there's something that's out of place we no longer feel that completeness the wholeness I know there are people right now in our auditorium and they've had a very hard year and I know that because I've helped bury people that they love and they care about this year. And I know this Christmas and the holidays have been very difficult on them. And, and they understand when I say that here's someone who's been a very integral part of your life. And suddenly, you, suddenly that person, that relationship, whatever it may be, is taken away. And you feel this sense of emptiness. You don't feel complete. Jesus came to the earth in order to restore our wholeness. But we need to understand kind of what that means as well. What is this peace on earth? Jesus came to restore what was missing in our lives as sinners. That as we sin, suddenly there is this void that happens. There is this separation because that which is holy cannot cannot be with that which is unholy okay and so Christ is going to grow from a baby and he's going to he's going to live peace he's going to teach peace and he's even going to bless peacemakers and at the end of his life we're given as he's getting ready to go to the cross, we learn a little bit more, a clue as to the kind of peace that the angel proclaimed. And there he says to his disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. You see that it's not taking away so much as it's giving of something. The peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I to you. But uh, not, let not your hearts be troubled and neither let them be afraid. The peace on earth. The peace that Jesus left with us came in the most violent and non-peaceful means imaginable. Death on a cross. Jesus stepped between the warring parties. He stepped in where there was a gap, where there was something that was missing, and he brings shalom and in Christ where we have been sin and death and guilt and helpless and hopeless now Christ brings us back to God folks this goes all the way back to the first couple of pages of the bible the sin of of adam and eve and on that day, humanity lost something. We lost the glory of God. And a lot of times people look at that and they think, well, God's just a terrible God. Why would he do that? Because holiness cannot associate with that which is unholy. And But ironically, here's the beautiful part. He has pursued us ever since that day. He has had a plan ever since that day. And that was to give us his beloved Son. Our Savior was born out of our Father's love for us. How many times have we quoted, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Or Romans 5, 8, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You want to know, why did Jesus come? Why is this such a big event that we read about in Scripture? It's because it is the moment the love of God was brought to earth. We sing this song and you sing it with me. Why did my Savior come to earth and to the humble go? Why did he choose a lonely bird? He loved me so Now let's really sing it together He loved me so He loved me so He gave his precious life for me For me because he loved me so. We're getting ready to partake of the bread and the cup, and it's a remembrance of the peace that we now have in Christ and that we share together. This bread that we're about to partake, it represents the very body of Jesus. He remained the whole, the complete human that we were intended to be, but we failed. And he changed and exchanged his life of righteousness for our unrighteousness. For, our, for, our, for his, his perfect ways, for our imperfect ways. And even those of you who are here this morning, and I know that there's a hole that you have because of the very loss that you've had. This moment is a moment for you to enjoy the shalom of God and even though when you get up and you leave this place and even though December 25th is going to be very difficult for you I want you to think back to this moment that we're about to have where we just bask in the peace of God the peace that Christ has given to us and for those of you who came in this morning and you're stressed out you got a lot of anxiety because of this time of year or just life in general Just allow this moment to take capture of your mind as we think of the peace, the shalom of Christ through his sacrifice. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this day and we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for sending your son, giving us this gift And, Father, may we embrace it at this moment. And, Father, for those who may be here this morning and they don't feel a sense of wholeness, of completeness, because they're hurting and they're struggling in their lives, Father, let this moment with Christ, let this be a time of restoration. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we get ready to partake of the cup, it represents the blood of Jesus. And to our world, that sounds offensive and even very odd. But we know that it represents the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us, his life for our lives. And it brought us cleansing, it has brought forgiveness, and it has brought access to God for those who have come to Christ. So as we get ready to partake of this this cup, let us continue our time of peace with Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love and your blessings to us. And Father, we cannot thank you enough for your son being willing to be tortured, to be rejected, And then ultimately to be crucified on a cruel, awful cross. But Father, we also know that is our hope. And that is our joy. Because through it, Father, we now come back to you. Father,
0: for this we give you thanks. In Christ's name, amen. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German pastor, theologian, known for his opposition to National Socialism. In fact, Bonhoeffer was one of the earliest critics of the Nazi regime whenever it was coming to its fullest height. He partnered with a bunch of local churches to keep the Nazification of overtaking the German evangelical church. And ultimately, because of his decisions and his active speeches against the Nazi regime, Bonhoeffer was arrested and executed in Flossenburg Concentration Camp in 1945, but not before leaving a lasting impact on Christian writings and theological thought. Now, Bonhoeffer was killed 1945 before he and his fiancee Maria von Wiedemeyer could marry. However, we do have a collection of letters written between these two. And I want to read one of those letters, or at least part of one of those letters, to you this morning. Partly because of the circumstances. At the time of the writing, it was during the Christmas season, Bonhoeffer was writing to Maria while he was sitting in prison, waiting his execution. And the other part I want to read is I really think, especially towards the end of the portion I'm going to read this morning, that Bonhoeffer has a beautiful way of bringing everything we've been talking about together and illuminating, despite his circumstances, what the Christmas message is truly about. Be brave for my sake, dearest Maria, even if this letter is your only token of my love this Christmas tide, We shall both experience a few dark hours. Why should we disguise that from each other? We shall ponder the incomprehensibility of our lot and be assailed by the question of why over and above the darkness already enshrouding humanity that we should be subjected to the bitter anguish of a separation whose purpose we fail to understand. And then just when everything is bearing down on us to such an extent that we can scarcely withstand it the Christmas message comes and it tells us that all our ideas are wrong. And that what we take to be evil and dark is really good and light because it comes from God. Our eyes are at fault. That is all. Listen to this: God is in the manger. Wealth in poverty, light in darkness, succor in abandonment. No evil can befall us, dearest Maria. Whatever men may do to us, they cannot but serve the God who is secretly revealed as love and rules the world and our lives. See, Bonhoeffer had his thumb on the true beauty of the Christmas message, that no matter the circumstances of our life, no matter what might be happening No matter what darkness might be enshrouding humanity or our own lives, God is working through all things to bring about his good. And being a follower of Jesus today, it means not only reflecting on the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf, which is what we just did in the supper, but also reflecting and thinking about the sacrifice that we can make in our own lives the sacrifice of our comfort or our desires or maybe even our own lives to obey God. Bonhoeffer believed this and it cost him his life. God is in the manger. A child is born. And the the peace that that child brings into the world is not limited to what happens on the cross. But the invitation, it's now extended to each of us. The peace that goes out into the world today, it now goes through each of us. Because the same spirit that was at the beginning of all creation is the same spirit that was working through Jesus and is the same spirit that now rests on our heart. And in total reality, today, Jesus, he comes in the form of a beggar, of a child, a desperate child in ragged clothes, asking for help, asking for a family to adopt them. Jesus, he confronts us with every person that we meet, because as long as there are people, Christ walks this earth as your neighbor. Today, today, think about this today you are the greatest instrument that God has to extend his love and grace and peace to the world. To bring heaven and earth together once again. And I saw this, heaven and earth coming together again. This yesterday, a group of us, we gathered together and we were going out to the community to hand out invitations for our Christmas Eve meal that we have coming up. In fact, Christmas Eve, you're, you're welcome to join us. We have a meal every year. It's an annual event that we have. And our simple goal is just to feed people. It's completely free. And we serve and we feed people in our community, people who might be lonely, don't have any family in town, people who might not have a home to go to, people who are less fortunate than us in a lot of different ways. And we just want to feed them. And so, Christmas Eve, if, if maybe that's you, or maybe you want to serve at it, we welcome you to come. But yesterday, we, w- we went out into the community to find people who might need to be reminded of their importance. To be fed on a, on, a me- on a meal on a day when all of our families are gathering together, and we forget the people who don't have them. And so, we went out to the backwoods behind Big Shots, down US 1, to the various alleys in the back way, and we talked to people, and we prayed with people. That's our students right there, gathering around people in our community. And it is amazing when you see the joy on these people's faces, not because they know the meal free meal is coming up. They don't see joy, or they don't feel joy because we handed them ponchos because we know it's a rainy weekend, which we did, but simple joy because somebody was actually willing to listen to them. Somebody was actually willing to recognize them as a human being who's just trying to make it in this world like the rest of us. Now, I don't know about you, but that says Christmas to me. This morning I want to end on an image that the prophet Isaiah gives us. It's a powerful image of, it comes in two parts. The first part is what it's going to look like when the Messiah, the Savior of the world, comes into his fullest glory at last. And then the second part, it's how the world and all of creation responds to when the Messiah comes into its fullest glory. Isaiah chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. his loins. Now how does the world respond to that Messiah? Listen and just imagine this world. And the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear they shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw with the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand over the adder's den. And they shall not hurt or destroy. in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Let's picture that world. Let's fight for that world as we celebrate this Christmas season. And now let's sing about that world.